Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to Gears on Film. This podcast is where we... A pair of gays talk about what we're watching. I'm Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we'll be discussing Dan Levy's directional debut, Good Grief. Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature, so as always, do proceed with caution. But before we get to that, I'm dying to know what you've been watching recently, King. And how was your holiday? (laughs) My holiday was lovely, actually. Oh my God, you know that book I read? Song of Achilles. Yeah. So for listeners who are unfamiliar, it came out in 2012, I think, and is a little bit of a sort of Greek mythology, queer love story. Gorgeous. Mm. I've just had the thought as we were like setting up to record, this is what I meant when I said I want to see more kind of period pieces about queer love. So if anybody burgeoning filmmakers out there listening yeah, to this podcast. Yeah, I was Googling to see wants if, to pick it up. If it great. had been optioned for anything, but I don't think it has. No, I think it'd be really good. And apparently the book won the Women's Prize the year it was published. Is that like a prize for female authors? I assume so. Year? Yeah. I think it's a literary one. Yes. Um, I love that word. Literary. It's mm. nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um... But yes, that was my holiday reading, but this is a film podcast, so I'll talk about what we've watched. Mm. Um, quite long flights to Mexico, so plenty of time for films. Well, was mm. there? In theory. Yeah. It was a bit turbulent, and it was filling me with dread and terror, so I opted for kids' films. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> it took me so long. In a ten and a half hour flight during the day where I didn't sleep much, I watched two films due to how turbulent it was because I had to keep pausing my first film because I was like, I can't concentrate oh, on yeah, this no. at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the kids' films on available that I chose were Frozen. Mm-mm. Classic. Really enjoyed. Still enjoyed. After, I think it was good that I've not seen it for a few years and nobody is incessantly playing Let It Go anymore. Um, Because it did start to grate on me a bit at the time. But, um, yeah, it's definitely worthy of its place in history. Um, The Lego movie, which I'd never seen before. Um, And I remember that. Was that nominated or winner of a few awards the year it came out? It was definitely nominated, I think. Because I think it shocked everyone because everyone was like, how good can a Lego film be? And it was actually quite good. good. Because they performed the... Everything is Awesome song. At the Oscars? At some award show. I can't remember exactly which. Um, But I do remember seeing it. Um, I also watched Mummies, which I think came out last year. Animated. Oh, this year? 
No, can't be. Yeah, it was definitely. This year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chewie wouldn't have it if it no, literally came out this it year. Came yeah. out in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um, it was quite fun. Very family watching. Um, can't really remember much about the story, but I'm not sure if that was anything to do with the quality of the film or whether I was too distracted by the terror of being forty thousand feet in the air. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So silly. So there was that. Um, also watched Where the Wild Things Are, which I think I remember the book coming out as a child. Um, and it was really adorable, actually. Kind of quite emotionally mature for a kid's film. Um, and one that I would recommend to anyone who fancies kind of a bit of a chill, not too much by way of story, but a lot by way of meaning type film. I would say Where the Wild Things Are is a good place to start. Um, what else do I watch? Just loads of Disney bands. Loads of Disney. Alice in Wonderland, no. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland, the remake, um, which I was hoping would put me to sleep because it was used to because I'd seen it that many times. But I don't think it did. Or it might have done. Anyway. Um, really enjoy that one. Um, I think, uh, oh, what's the lead actress called? Mia. Name begins with W. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Really good one though. I enjoyed that. I don't think I ever got around to seeing the second. Awful. Was it? Yeah. I didn't really rate the first one either. Oh, I like it. Maybe I just got like, because it was one that I watched quite a lot when I was younger. Maybe I just got happy memories attached. I don't know. Um, Beauty and the Beast remake with I was going to say Hermione Granger then <laughs> Emma Watson that's one of my favourite remakes actually I actually think that one's quite good yeah I actually when it came out I think I might have been influenced by general public criticism and not enjoyed it as much but this time I actually had quite a good time watching it I think there's um, yeah. I think it's for the remakes it's a good there one with one of the best ones that they've yeah. done yeah which, you know, isn't necessarily saying much. No, but... But, yeah, yeah. no, it's one of the better ones. Um, and yesterday afternoon, I think it was, I watched... No, day before. Sunday afternoon, I watched Aristocats. Ah, Cute. Yeah, Disney Plus has done a thing, and there's like a... Is there like a warning? There's like a... Almost a disclaimer, I guess at the start of Aristocats saying um, about how some of the things kind of maybe aren't so culturally acceptable anymore, but rather than remove... Oh, it yeah, I've heard they've done that. Kind of and I think the they do it about tobacco as well. But I was watching Aristocats looking out for this, and I really couldn't... I wasn't sure what was... Problematic. Problematic. I can't remember. I haven't watched it in that long. No. Oh, well. Are you not mentioning Theatre Camp? Oh, is that long ago? I can't I know, remember. I can't it. remember, but it is. Theater I will camp. just say it about it if you want. It's on Disney Plus. It's ninety minutes, and it's a really fun comedy. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, really silly, but like not stupid silly, just fun silly. Yeah, I yeah. gave it three and a half. I can't so remember I thought it was what quite... I gave it. I think if you're if you're into musicals as well and not taking yourself too seriously about your how yeah. much you're into musicals, yeah, it's, it's quite a funny one. Yeah. yeah. 
there was some line about Liza Minnelli, which I, I wish I could remember. Oh, I know. There were a lot of kind yeah. of cracking one-liners in there. Um, yes, would recommend. Okay. Uh, what have you watched else? So on plain films for me, um, I'm not sure if the turbulence reflected this one, but I watched, you know, the Haunted Mansion film that came out last year. That weirdly is it a remake? Well, there was a Haunted Mansion film before with Eddie Murphy, but yeah. I wouldn't really say it's a remix. It's just, it just a, diff- a different to... film called yeah. Haunted Mansion, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty bad. Was it? Yeah, I give it one and a half star. I Oof. thought it was really boring. Um, not scary enough, not funny enough. A bit of a pointless story. I thought the actors were doing the best because it, like, it did. It does have quite a decent cast, but it was just not very good. And I think Disney trying to use another one of their rides to try to create another franchise similar to the likes of, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Certainly, I don't think we'll be getting anything. Even Tiffany Haddish wasn't funny, and I find her really funny. She is really funny. That's a shame. Yeah, You know a film's not funny when... They Not- make funny people. Notably comedic f- people aren't funny in it. And like Danny DeVito's in it as well. It was really like a really oh. good cast, but yeah. That's a shame. Not good for me. It's on Disney Plus if anyone wants to re- watch it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, I've also had my eye on this film for a while, like a, a, a French version of The Three Musketeers. Um, and this is part one called D'Artagnan. Um, really, really good kind of epic adventure it's a French film, mostly. Is it Ava Green? Ava Green is in it, yeah. yeah. She's obviously, she's not one of the Musketeers. I think we but... ought to mention, it's not a French version of The Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers is a French story. Is it? Yeah. Oh, pretty well, sure that it makes is. sense. Unless I've made that up, I'm pretty sure it's French. Originally. Yeah, so there's part one, and then part two recently came out, and when I saw two, we had this, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch part one, ah. and then I'll catch up on part two at some point. Because um, part two... Another name of one of the three, because D'Artagnan's one of the three, isn't he? Uh, is he? The second one up? is called Milady. Oh, okay. Um, which is Ava Green's character. So, oh. yeah, it's just really a really good kind of, you know, it it's got really good action, and it only cost thirty six million euros, forty million dollars to make. Um, and I think it when it went on Netflix or something, it, it was like it's featured on the top 10 of the most watched non-English speaking language films on Netflix. Cool. People loved it all over the world, apparently. It's oh. got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and I give it three and a half. And I think if I wasn't watching it on a tiny screen, eight inch, nine inch screen that yeah. Tui had and I was watching it at home or in the cinema, I'd have probably pushed to four. But I think that's a good way of saying that the cinematic experience does kind of help films do well. Do well. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Um, and then on the way back, I watched 42, which is a biographical... 42 films! <laughs> a biographical sports film um, about the baseball player Jackie Robinson, played by um, Chadwick Boseman. This was a list. This kind of got added to my watch list when, unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman died. And I wanted to go back and look at some of his kind of earlier films before of around the time he did Black Panther. So I had kind of... um, There's another couple that I've got to watch, but it was a really good sports film. It kind of touched on, you know, quite a lot of the similar 
themes of of racism in film and um Jim Crow America and and all that kind of stuff and it also said it was interesting it kind of starts with you know all these people have just come back because it's set not long after World War Two just come back from World War Two having fought for a country where a lot of the people in the country hate them yeah um so it had all that and it was just yeah it was really good um I really enjoyed it I think I gave that three and a half star as well um and again Chadwick Boseman it's you know so sad that we lost him so young because he was he's a great actor Harrison Ford's in this is like the second lead and I wouldn't say I enjoyed his performance that much but we'll just it reminded me a little bit of the performance of and they're not really similar in character but just um Tom Hanks in Elvis which I didn't really get along with like that that kind of manager pushing the story kind of but I didn't really like it yeah and I also finished Marvel's second season of What If, their animated show, which is, as it says on the tin, like multiversal stories. What if something happened instead of... What if something else happened that wasn't instead in the film? Yeah. Um, so there was some really good episodes. There was this What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas, which was like a bit of a diehard riff episode. Um, I really enjoyed another one called What If Gahari Reshaped the World. It's all about the Tesseract um, and set in pre-colonial America. Um, and basically it's got like um, Native Americans. Mm. Um, I was just a bit worried I was going to use the wrong term there. But all like this Native American superhero um, that we haven't seen in live action um, when like the Spanish con conquistadors come over and all that kind of stuff it was really cool um and then i really liked this what if the avengers assembled in 1602 set in shakespearean times which was quite fun so i actually would say overall i did enjoy that season more than the first i quite enjoyed the first season so maybe i'll make a bit of effort with this one Mm. Mm. i'm sure you will (laughs) (laughs) um but i think that's everything on my list Great. Well, what's been going on in the news while we've been away? So we had BAFTA noms whilst we were away, and hot off the press today we've had Oscar noms. So I was just going to talk about BAFTA, but I thought let's just talk about both of them. Go for it. The BAFTA is always a bit different because obviously it's got that British angle, so we do tend to award some different films to maybe what some of the European, uh, no, to what some of the American awards shows are looking at. Yeah. One that seems to get a bit more love in the UK was Saltburn with five nominations. Whereas I don't think Saltburn got a single Oscar nomination, which I thought was quite interesting. That is interesting. Um, There are some horrendous, for me personally, omissions from the BAFTAs first, and then some of them do carry over to the, Ooh, the Oscars okay. as well. Go on, tell me So, Lily Gladstone was not nominated for Best Actress for Killers of the Flower Moon at the BAFTAs, which I thought... That's She's been in the running travesty. for everything else, yeah. and she's won others as well. That is a travesty. And totally just... Well, she won for a Golden Globe the week before, so yeah. it's like... The fact that she wasn't even nominated to me was absolutely crazy. And, like, don't get me wrong, the other actresses in there for 
the you like for the BAFTAs are all amazing as well. But mm-hmm. there's it just felt weird that she wasn't in there. There's one for the colour purple, which I can't comment because I've not seen it. And also, it which is nice to see, Vivian Opera for Rye Lane. So there's a few Ooh. kind of more Britishy type films that have crept into the BAFTAs, which you would expect. Yeah. Rye Lane has got two nominations. Rye Lane was fab. How to Have Sex um, got three. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe it's she has been... Maybe that's slightly skewed because they've got that rising star reward at the at the BAFTAs, which is always uh, like yeah. and Mia McKenna Bruce, who is one of the actresses who was in that, yeah. is, is in there. Okay. Um, I will talk about that more in a second. There's also some others. So, Killers of the Flower Moon did get nine nominations, um, but Leonardo DiCaprio also didn't get a nomination. But I'm actually quite all right with that. I think mm. he was great, but yeah. Um, best director was interesting. Martin Scorsese, not included. Greta Gerwig, not included. Um, okay. And Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, not in, not included, which so I thought... So was included? So best director for in the BAFTAs, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Jonathan Glazer for the, Zo- the Zone of Interest, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Yes. Andrew Haig for All of Us Strangers. Okay. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Right. Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. So, like, some of these I'm like, absolutely, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Justine Traitt for Anatomy of a Fall, which you've seen. I can... I think all of the ones I've seen of those are perfectly justified, to be honest. So... But I do wonder where those some of those other ones you mentioned are. I think what's going to happen... I thought Poor Things or Past Lives was going to really kind of be the the top films for yeah. for not this awards um cycle but i have a feeling that oppenheim has been nominated for a lot and i have a feeling it could win quite a lot as well mm. which is interesting to me because it's an amazing film and it might just be that people think oh we should maybe give chris nolan the the recognition he deserves for all of his films in a way because i would say like oppenheimer is probably the pinnacle of where like his storytelling and his filmmaking yeah. like it was like a perfect film for him to do yeah um but yeah Barry Keoghan for a, a BAFTA for Saltburn or another one which I thought he said oh no he said Saltburn didn't get any Oscars yeah. Yeah. yeah and Rosamund Pike as well for Saltburn oh fab and what else was Saltburn nominated for I can't remember um just really an interesting mix um Napoleon got a few noms, but more kind of in the BAFTAs, but more kind of production production-y side. type stuff, which is fair. Um, but yeah, let's just talk quickly about the EE Rising Star, which has kind of awarded some amazing, amazing actors in the past, including Ava Green, who we were talking about oh, before. Um, last year it was won by Emma McKay. McKay. Sex I say Mackie, but I could be Mackie, wrong. yeah. Um, sex education slash Barbie now. Um, but this year, the nominations go to Phoebe Deneva, the one from Bridgerton. I didn't enjoy Bridgerton. I don't know which one Phoebe you don't, she's, is. is. Is she the one who's like Sophie Webster's daughter in real life or something? Who's Sophie Webster? From Coronation Street. 
the actor that plays her. Yeah, she is. And she's previously done like Waterloo Road and all those kind of British things. But now she's gone on to Bridgerton okay. and right, okay. she's been in um, Bank of Dave. She was apparently in, which I think Oh, we I love Bank of Dave. Ayo yeah. um, Edebiri, who I am fucking obsessed with. Um, I had never heard of Ayo Edebiri before late last year. And every single time I see her, I'm like, yes, I'm glad you're back. Well, she's obviously bro- you know it's she broke out from the bear, yeah. primarily. Um, but also the likes of Theatre Camp, Bottoms. Bottoms. She's had a voice role in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Um, and she's yeah. done a few other bits. And she's just absolutely flying and going places. Yeah. Um, Jacob Elordi's in there, who is absolutely in just everything at the minute. Um, coming up. He's in. What else is he? I saw that he's got. He's going to be in. Um, he's took Andrew Garfield's place in Guillermo oh. del Toro's uh... Frankenstein film and loads. He just seems like he's everywhere at the minute. He's not in Masters of the Air. No, that's Barry Keoghan. That's Barry Keoghan. Oh, that's one I want to see yeah. actually. Masters of the Air. Did you say it's TV? Yeah. And what did you say it's on Apple? Apple. Yeah. Yes. Um. We've got Mia McKenna-Bruce from How to Have Sex, um, who was just amazing in that film that I saw at Leeds Film Festival this year. And then Sophie Wilde, who... I don't even know what she's from. Talk to me. I remember enjoying Talk to me. She Was she the main actor in Talk to me? Yeah. So she's... A, he, he, Rising star. I always like them because some amazing people have won that in the past. We're talking like Letitia Wright, Dan- Daniel Coyula, Tom Holland, John Boyega, Juno Temple, Kristen Stewart. Like, yeah. So let's just quickly move to Oscars. A very, very male best director about Justine Trett again for. There's one that I'm really sad that aren't in both Best Director and Best Best Actress on this, and I'm absolutely kind of so, so shocked. What? Celine Song for Past Lives isn't in Director, and Greta Lee isn't nominated for Best Actress, which I just think is deplorable. What is Um, wrong this year? I know. It's in Best Picture, but Best Picture has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten films in best picture that they allow a lot more whereas in director and actress and and all everything else they end up um they they only whittle it down to five so there are there are always going to be some omissions but yeah but let's just do best picture so we've got american fiction which we've not seen yet anatomy of a fall you've seen fantastic barbie fantastic the Holdovers. Fantastic. Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, fantastic. Maestro, we've not seen not it seen yet. It. Oppenheimer. Fantastic. Past Lives. Oh, Poor very Things. Fantastic. And The very Zone fantastic. of Interest, which we've not seen yet. I do want to see Zone of Interest. So do I. Very much. The, it's the World War Two one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, there's one that I would like in Best Supporting Actress, one that I would love to shout out, which I'm very, very happy to see. America Ferreira for Barbie. Fantastic. But what's quite weird, and I thought this might happen, Greta Gerwig didn't get a nom for Best Director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Margot Robbie didn't get a nom for Best Actress. 
but mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling got a nom for Best Supporting Actor in Barbie, which is hilarious because that's kind of what the full Barbie film is about. That is so funny <laughs> in the most um, infuriating way. Yeah. Past Lives did get a Best Original Screenplay and Celine Song did write the screenplay as well as direct it, so she is in there a bit, but okay. I was a bit shocked. Um, and also, interesting to see Best Animated Feature, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, which was a queer one that went on Netflix, which I'd like to catch up on. Yeah. Robot Dreams, never even heard of it. No. And then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which was always going to be a shoe-in. Cool. But again, like, not every Disney... Wish isn't in there. Um, what else came out? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, people were shocked at that, that that wasn't there. Um, what else have we got? That's a bit of a shock. So there's a film... Iron Claw, which people are raving about with Zac Efron. Thought Zac Efron might get a, a nom, but Is that nothing. the wrestling one? Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, Past Lives only got two Oscar nominations. That which is I an am absolute scandal. Mortified, especially as it was our film of the year. Yeah. We're obviously not Oscar-y people. But again, Oppenheimer got 13. Um, Poor Things got 11. So there was some facts about... For this year's acting nominees, um, a record number of LGBTQ plus characters were amongst the performances nominated, with a total of six, including nominations for three openly LGBT actors in these roles. So, of are we talking across the Oscars or the BAFTAs? Oscars. Oscars. So, of all of the nominations. So, for the six. For the twenty. Acting nominations. Six are for queer characters. So that's over a quarter. And three of them are actually gay actors as well. Um, fantastic. I'm not and sure. That's my word of this episode. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and a bit another interesting fact Danielle Brooks is nominated for The Colour Purple. Mm-hmm. And she's the second actor nominated to play that exact same role. Right. Um, after Oprah Winfrey's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1985 original. Oh, how wonderful. So BAFTAs are on next month, I think. Um, Sunday the 18th, which yeah. I always watch them live because it's UK time. Um, and then Oscars are on Sunday the 10th of March, but that'll go into Monday the 11th. Um Oh, I wanted to see what songs are actually in Best Original Song because they normally get, like, performed live. The Fire Inside from Flaming Hot. Never even heard of that. Um, I'm Just Ken from Barbie. It Never Went Away from American Symphony. A Song for My People from Killers of the Flower Moon. And What Was I Made For from Barbie. So... Ah. couple of Barbie on no Dua Lipa though no Dua Lipa so that was quite a long winded news section but it is quite a big news week for some of these awards that are coming out but that's everything lovely what do we do next (laughs) (laughs) being on holiday we're a bit out of practice aren't we well what a time we've had but now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film and TV, it's time now for Trailer, Trash or Treasure. What do we have this time? We've got Back to Black, 
the Amy Winehouse biopic, which Fantastic. I remember seeing that it was going to be a thing, and then all of a sudden the trailer's out. So, um, I don't have much hope for it. I'm not going to lie. But... You're not a big biopic fan, though, are you? Uh, no. No. Right, well, link to that is in the show notes. If you would like to pause and watch along, um, please do so. And we will see you back after the sparkles. What did you think to that? Uh, Standard biopic. Drivel. Strong words. I just, uh, I just don't, I don't really get them. Like, so many of these stories, whilst they are unique to the person that we're seeing, so many of these stories are so similar. It's a rise to fame. Yeah. We all love them. Yeah. And And then they they all come crumbling down and they die. So it's like, I don't know. I'd much prefer them when they're a bit more creative and outside of the box, like Rocket Man was. The thing about Rocket Man, though, is that Elton John had a lot of say in how it became. Yeah, but I think that could have, whilst Elton John is an incredibly creative person, yeah. that could have backfired because yeah, I know, but it Elton didn't. John might have wanted to just tell his story, where I thought, I thought the creative nuances of how they told the story yeah. is what made it interesting. Like, yeah. Some of the songs were like in this fantastical world that weren't real. Like this just looks we're gonna tell Amy's story in a really well in a way that we know. I think if Elton John hadn't had a say in Rocket Man, it wouldn't have had any of that fantastical element to it. It would have just been another biopic. Do you think? Because his whole like thing is being weird, wacky and wonderful. So he wanted to make sure that Weird, Wacky and Wonderful was in there. And Amy Winehouse's thing was making music because she was a brilliant songwriter and didn't know what else she would do. Um, I'm and happy. She was chewed up and spat out. I'm happy to be. Die, wasn't she? I always remember once they were like, she was on OK Magazine cover when she was taking drugs and they were like, people saying, oh, look at her feet. You can see she's been injecting between her toes. And I just think the way... And I wouldn't. I would say it's improved slightly about our views of people who are addicted to things. But I just think I always remember just the way she was trapped was horrible. Um, I am a relatively good fan of Amy Winehouse's music, and I absolutely love what I know about Amy Winehouse, the human person. And I absolutely hate how she was treated by the media and the music industry. So I think I'll probably watch this and cry because I know about it. But I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting the best film. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I am. Um, I'm not. I don't really know the actor playing Amy Winehouse herself, Marissa Rabela. Um, she's in HBO slash BBC Two's Industry, but I've not watched that. Um, but it was interesting. I thought Jack O'Connell from Skins is a phenomenal casting for Blake. I think he looks quite like him. Um, and it was nice to see Leslie Manville in there, but we'll see how much of a role she plays as... I'm presuming 
her mum, Cynthia Winehouse. I, I don't, so. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm gonna call this one trash. I'm gonna trash the trailer because I don't think it was a particularly good trailer. But I think I'm interested to see the film. Yeah, personally. Out in the UK in April. So not Lovely. too long to wait. Not too long to wait. Well, now for this week's headline feature. It's Good Grief coming up after this quick break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Good grief, then. Good grief. Good grief. (gasps) Would you like to, before we dive in, give us a synopsis? Yes. How about I do that? Yeah. Okay. Um, So, Mark's husband dies in a car crash just before Christmas. As his friends, Sophie and Thomas, help him process his grief, he is challenged by revelations about his late husband. The three mark the first year anniversary of Oliver's death with a blowout trip to Paris, where they each help each well, no, where they help each other to confront their demons. Yeah, quite a good one. Thanks. What did you think of the film? I think that it's a very moving tale. It'll make you cry. Definitely feel things. I always feel like that about like films about grief, though. That's interesting you say that because I've got a, a, a slightly, I think I've got a slightly different perspective from the film. The emotional side of it for me wasn't necessarily the grief. It was more about the friend, the friendship. Yeah. It wasn't the actual grief itself. Well, no, I think because um, like the first event that happens is the loss you don't really see the relationship. and Like, so you don't feel the grief until later anyway. But, um... Yeah. 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 
What note other notes have you got then? You know, <laughs> so I'm going to really pull the curtain back here. We're only recording a headline feature ahead of us going on holiday and Ned can't seem to get around the fact cause that we've just doing one part of the podcast. Right, so... So let's just... I've just on. read. I've just let's read my just, full sentence. Yeah, I'm come just on. gonna. I'm, come on, I'm, let's I'm do here. it. I've, I've arrived. I've <laughs> arrived. Right. So the reason that I think like films about grief and loss like pull on my heartstrings, mm. other than like the fact that I am a human with feelings, <laughs> is that like I always think it's like a reminder that you should say what you need to say to people who are important to you, mm. because one day. You, you, won't won't be, get to. you won't be able to, whether it's you or them that dies. Yes. Um, and I think that this was a really good way to tell that story. I saw an interview with Dan, is it Levy or Levy? I think people Levy. say Levy. Yeah. Anyway, saw him in an interview with him and um, apparently this was kind of his way of processing the loss of his grandma and his dog in quite quick succession. So he made this film about it and it helped. Right. I feel like that's a bit of a <laughs> PR stretch. Do you think? Well, this film covers more. It's very cynical of you. Well, I am probably being a bit cynical because it's got absolute... I know grief is grief, but this kind of grief where he's grieving his husband who he then finds out was having an affair behind his back before, didn't get to find that out before he died from him. Yeah. It's totally different to losing your grandma and your dog. I mean, he's not going to tell it as it happens. No, it? I know, I know. But just, just I, sometimes I just think in Hollywood, just say, I wanted to explore grief. We've all been through it. Yeah. doesn't remind me of my losing my grandma and my all dog. Right, fine. But... So Dan Le- Dan 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 Levy then yeah. What did you think from a director director slash screenwriter perspective? Um, I liked. I think the direction. I think. Did you say it's his debut? It's his directional debut. Directional film debut. Film debut. He did direct and write quite a bit of Shit's Creek yeah, at times. Yeah, I think I knew that. Throughout its run. So I yeah. think as his like first feature, um, I thought I think I like the final result generally. Um, there were odd little tiny little bits in the script that sort of pulled me out at moments, but really, I think to be honest, that's. Probably just like nitpicky. This is where I think screenwriting in a in a film that's about a drama, yeah. where it's like real people. It's not it's not genre. It's literally just people. It's just a out. story. Yeah. This is where I think potentially those are the hardest type of screen like scripts to write because yeah. you've got to really embody like would a human being in this situation say this line? Yeah. And there was a few points where I thought. I don't think people would say that in like to their friends, yeah. which I understand is a really hard balance. Because if you put me in a room with some of my best friends, if you were watching it as a film, you'd probably be like, they're not even saying anything to each other. It's all just like <laughs> silly things. Sense. Or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So bespoke to who you are as a group. Yeah. But I would definitely say from a directing point of view, he's a lot. He seems a lot more confident in directing. 
than I would say the screenplays. Yes, I think I'd agree with that. I think that's probably what. And I was this is at. like a hundred percent a streaming film. Definitely. Which I don't like always to say because I feel that at one point we would have gone to see any film at the cinema. It didn't really matter. Uh, Unless it was like a direct-to-DVD type. I think if this went out in the cinema, we'd have seen it at the cinema. Yeah, Probably. but from a, from a commercial perspective, this is a perfectly fine streaming film yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of worse films get into the cinemas. They do. They so, do. I, like, I liked his acting in it as well. I, I do think well. he's quite a nice... He's quite a wholesome I quite like his actor. kind of acting style, because even though his characters are always different he's he's always quite him in it i think that was gonna that was gonna be something i potentially highlighted as a bit of a negative i think you get dan levy yeah in quite a lot of stuff yeah which i think must be quite hard when you so what have we seen him in seen him in shit's creek seen him in sex education and this and they're all quite similar yeah um Really enjoyed Ruth Neger's performance as Sophie. I liked yes. that full, the three, the, the camaraderie between the three best friends. I love as well. that. I They're liked kind of dynamic. Patel as, as Thomas as yeah. well. I thought they were really fun. Their dynamic was fun because you had like Dan Levy as the like supportive but a little bit lost one. You had um, Ruth Neger as the chaotic but like deeply compassionate one yeah and then um what's his name hamish thomas hamish patel as thomas hamish patel um grounded but quite insecure so can like get a bit stressed out sometimes and i think the three of them really bounced off each other quite well and complemented the story together like i liked their the way they'd been written together i did quite like the how old they were yeah, like mid, thought, mid to late 30s. Yeah, I thought that kind of age that you must be at, we can all be at very different points of our lives. And I think especially when you live in a big city like this is set in London. Yeah. There's so much going not Right, one of my best friends, Emily, she always says to me, we always get to the same point that we mostly want to but like in london i always think people are like really all over the place in different points of their life depending on when you've gone there yeah but i just like i thought it was quite an interesting age for them to be to explore losing your husband in your late 30s as well but also kind of sophie not being able to settle down properly and commit to a kind of serious relationship with terence um, yeah, Thomas and like, not this really... Terence guy and her have been together for ages. Like, on and off. Like, like, he's part of their friendship group as her plus one, but, like, very much friends with um, Mark and Thomas, and she still can't really commit to him. And, like, Thomas, to me, is, like, he's obviously late 30s. He's gay. Dating in your late 30s is perceived to be quite a late, quite a challenge because once you're over 30, now me, as a gay man, yeah. there's all that stuff about nobody wants you, all that kind of stuff. But mm. then he does find a boyfriend, which is nice. Mm. Um, I can't imagine the grief 
I can't imagine how alone you must feel losing a husband at that age. Like, I'm sure it's the same as any age, but you literally just had it. They looked yeah. like they were in the prime of their lives. And yes, we find out that Oliver was seeing somebody else, but it didn't, it didn't necessarily sound like they couldn't have worked through that either. Well, because Oliver did ask for an open marriage. I was going to say they'd agreed to an open marriage, but I feel like they could have worked through it. Yeah, even if Mark had kind of said, "I'm actually not that into it." Yeah, Um, just that level. Like he did, he say he was an orphan as well. He doesn't have any parents. He's like, "I'm a widow, and now I'm an orphan." No, I was an orphan, and now I'm also a widow. I was just like, I can't imagine how lonely you must feel in the world when, like. Mm. Everyone's gone and to lean on your best friends. Yeah. And friends is different, isn't it? It's like, it made me think, and this is sounding like I'm going to give it a way higher star rating than I actually am going to give it. But it made me think of like some of my best friends and how we're all going to go through tough times as we get older with families and relatives passing away and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it all like comes to a head, doesn't it? It's like, Thomas, no, Mark has met somebody, this guy called Theo, mm-hmm. um, who took him off to the law, the Louvre. I never know how to say that. The Louvre? Louvre. Yeah. Louvre. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why you're having difficulty. Sophie and Thomas right. kind of lose him. Sophie gets really drunk. She's found at a, a bus station. Thomas kind of really berates mark and like the whole friendship kind of comes to a head um and then in walks the guy that oliver was seeing which kind of gives quite a bit of comedic relief but we did say there was a few plot holes here it's like i've got nowhere to stay i thought get yourself an Airbnb. this looks like it's set in modern times just go stay somewhere else you don't have to be in this flat but i did think from a storytelling perspective, it was quite fun that he was there because... Yeah, it was fun. It was like, I'm not really... I am angry at you, but you haven't really done anything wrong. Yeah. And now and now the person that we both knew is dead anyway, so yeah. we know. And I like that scene where the uh, he goes to hug Dan Le- Levy's character and he's like, I think a hug's <laughs> I don't a bit think we're there yet. too far. Um, but I do like the silly bit Yeah. on the carousel and on the... On the wheel. Yeah. Where they're like fixing the friendship. And I like the bit where it's saying, like when you try to be serious with your friends about something, then you go quiet and it's like, I can't be silly. I can't be serious when we're on a wheel, a Ferris wheel in Paris. <laughs> like I'm not doing this here. Yeah. Um. So you said you had loads of notes. Where, where are you? I don't know. I've kind of lost the plot with them. Uh, a lot of a lot of them were quite similar, so it turns out we've kind of covered it. But I think it, um, it's quite it's quite a simple fit. There's not really much to get into. It's not groundbreaking by no, any means, no. but it is a warm, quite cozy film. I think. Um, I like some of um, Sophie's like advice bombs. Like at some point, quite early on, she's like, "Come on, dude, we've." made this nest for you for a whole year it's time oh. for you to like put your big and we've boy been pants sitting on, on you we've yeah. been sitting on you for a year and she's got <laughs> did you like cute that? little northern irish accent was it northern i think so oh and we've been sitting on you for a year that wasn't northern irish and they need to fly <laughs> um i quite like that but that was in the trailer it was it's yeah. nice 
Um, I thought the score was actually really lovely. I didn't really notice it. Well, I didn't really notice it the first time, but I noticed more the second time I watched it because I watched it twice. Yeah, because the first time we watched it, we had friends around and we were having a little chats bit chatting. And, yeah. Um, but it was really nice, actually. Very um, the right mood at every point. Um, and that's all I have to say on that one. I will say to me, and whilst the three characters seem to be having very different lived experiences, and it looks that Mark has married quite rich. Yeah. All of them live a pretty cushy London life, I would say. Oh, they're very much on the better end. Of... Yeah. Like even some of the things they go to, so they go like they're all involved in like modern art. art. Yeah. Um and there's a good couple of cameos in this actually. So Emma Corrin plays this young performance artist in one of these galleries. And I was reading that they're wearing a dress that she Sorry, that that oh, I don't know the gender of the character. I just know that that Emma Corrin's non-binary. So watch me. <laughs> Go for it. Go yeah. for it. So, but they're knitting the clothes. Yeah. As the audience are pulling the clothes apart. Yeah, because and it's like this wanky. They're doing like, like a weird, like moaning, whinging, screaming. Thing. Yeah, like weird. And then they modern... walk over to um <laughs> to Mark and give him the end of the the yarn. Um, and then he says something about how they'll wake up tomorrow a bit embarrassed. And they're like, dick. And then he's unravelling the dress. So that was one cameo. And I wonder, is like, are these Dan Levy's friends? Because it looks like, oh, I've just pulled in a couple of I think people probably. that I know. And then we've yeah. got Caitlin Diva, who plays, like, so basically, Oliver, Mark's husband, was an author. And all of his books get adapted into, like, either TV or films. Mm. And Caitlin Davis seems to play an actor that has been in one of the films. And she gets up and does the the camp ode to eulogy to him at, at Oliver's at funeral. funeral. You know, I thought actually, that was quite funny. That eulogy was possibly my least favourite part of the film. The full film? Yeah. I didn't like it. It really... It was a weird tone. It didn't... It wasn't quite funny enough for no, me to I'm laugh No, I'm guessing at. I liked the cameos. No, I get what you mean. I just liked seeing some cool little cameos. But I do think him probably... That side of, of Oliver. Yeah. We didn't really know. No. So, like, you see this person doing this over the top. I've been in your films, but we didn't really know much about Hitler's... Yeah. Other than that his books got adapted. Yeah. Um, I liked David Bradley, but As I did think dad. it was a weird casting... I don't think it was a weird cast. I don't know. I thought he did a really good job. It doesn't look like it could be Luke Evans's dad. Well, don't really have to. No, really old. Yeah. Um, I my favourite non-main character was Celia Imry as Imelda, the wealth manager. Oh, she was funny. She was really lovely. Um. Definitely the kind of the wise owl in the story. And her, I felt like her scenes like anchored it. So we'd move. They really gave you kind like, of. Oh, that's where we're at. Right. Points in the, bit, yeah. in the story. Um, yeah. And she did a great job. She's a lesbian as well. And she did a little lesbian reveal at the end. Mm. She's very cute. 
Um, so that was fun. Um, do you know, overall, I think, with this film, it starts, and obviously it's just before Christmas, and they're all at a Christmas party. And when we put it on, we were like, oh, is this going to be a Christmas film? And I don't think it is. It's definitely a wintry film, but I don't think it's a Christmas film. Um, and because it's kind of peppered with humour as well, even though it deals with kind of grief and loss, it's by no means a depressing watch, so you don't have to, like, worry too much. No, it's about, not like... Like, I wouldn't say steer clear of this if you're having a bad yeah, day. Yeah, like, I did, get a li- I did get a bit teary-eyed, but it wasn't like, oh, my it God, was like it nice sent me tears, into, though. like, a, yeah. a deep, dark depression. It's not it's like It's not that. a depressing film yeah. at all. No. Um, it was... It, it, I think, in general, it was the perfect level of kind of laughing at hardship. Do you know what I mean? Like, make light of serious situations so that we can get through them sort of thing. And this film was quite nice for that. And I like that. And also, like, they've kind of all end in a much nicer place to where they were as well. So it's not like you're like, oh, that was a really sad ending. Like, yeah. Mark returns to London, sells the shared house, takes up painting, which is a hobby that he'd done but had kind of lost yeah. during his marriage to... I'm glad. He Mark... almost sounds like he'd lost a bit of who he was during that marriage as well. Yeah, I think so, because he didn't quite like, have it was like, the... I used to illustrate his books, but I don't even do that anymore. Yeah. And so, like, he did that. Um, Sophie gets back with Terence and is engaged. Yeah, finally and then... commits. Thomas also meets his new boyfriend, boyfriend. Mark, that looks a bit like you. Everyone says it, apparently. Um, So... Um, I really liked the choice for Mark to end up single. So do I. And not with Theo, Theo. who he goes on that date with. I thought Theo was... For him to meet Theo in Paris was quite a nice thing to have done. It was. I liked Theo as a character. Uh, Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't And quite a nice thing for us to have seen as well. Like, oh, he can... Yeah, yeah. Process it. But I can't... I mean, it's only a year after his husband died. I can't imagine what it must be like going out on dates and stuff after that. No, no, how But weird. I think he played it quite well. I think, I think Theo so was... It's almost like if you wanted to write a character that you could meet whilst you're in the grief process that mm. to try and help you get over your ex who died on you, it's like you'd write Theo. Yeah. She's very understanding. I don't think every car- every person would be like that. Yeah. I also oh. think like the way like the way that the timeline works in this film is really interesting because our first year is pretty much don't cut. really see it. You don't really see him. the first year at all, other than he finds out. Um, he finds out that Oliver rented a flat in Paris without telling him, and he reads Oliver's Christmas card. And finds out that Oliver had met somebody and wanted to explore it a bit. Um, and so like, like no it, disrespect the to the guy is really that he concentrated. Met. Oh yeah, sorry. On that, yeah. like the later end of the year. And no disrespect to the guy that he met, but he didn't look like he had a lot going for him. A dancer from Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, like. A lot have said about Oliver, the character. We don't really get to be around him a lot, but they look like they had a nice relationship in ways. Yeah. But every, a lot is said in this film about everybody finds him 
inherently charming and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, nobody's got a bad across, word like, to say about him. He may be a bit of a flirt, but um, yeah. Oh. I think that's me pretty much done. Honestly, same. Yeah. Star rating. Um, I think I go three and a half. And thinking on it, I wonder if I may be slightly skewed, like positively skewed, just based on the like subject matter. Because I always think films that make me feel tend to get an extra half a star than they might. Well, you stick by that, King. Yeah, I do. I just mean, when I'm looking at some of the other films, I give three and a half stars. It's hard even with... like with different genres though (laughs) it's really hard it's like what's a three and a half hour no what's a 3.5 horror film compared to this it's like a bit difficult exactly um and i went with three Three. thanks for asking i was about to ask you (laughs) actually but for now let's unsheath the gator it's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand, and we use it to rank all the films and tv we discuss based on their lgbtq plus appeal Let's see where the Gerdar ranks. Good grief! That's really silly. Good grief. <laughs> Honestly. Um, I've just added numbers to the Gerdar ranking, so we can, we've got 32 films on there so far. There's no TV in there? Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, we've got 32 positions on the Gerdar. <laughs> My God. Don't even know that many positions. <laughs> uh, good grief is coming in above Barbie. Yeah, uh, but below Red, White, and Royal Blue. Mm. <laughs> Definitely above Barbie because mm. it's not just a bit camp and cut queer corded. Obviously, we've got queer characters. What's above red, white, and royal blue? Passages. I'd go between those two, personally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think when we get to... I think red, white, and royal blue was... And whilst this film was quite simple in its premise, I would say red, white, and royal blue was a bit 2D. When it comes to queer perspective, it was quite hammy and... Yeah, Math, basically. Yeah. Didn't really One explore note. much. Yeah. Whereas at least this had two gear characters who both had very different lived experiences. Yeah. And it actually explored a bit about queer identity. Relationships. You know, there's more there's more openness in particular about open relationships within yeah. gay communities. I'm not saying it doesn't happen amongst other people, but there's a lot more. Just I think openly spoken about, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm not aware of any of my straight friends that have open relationships, no. or that no people, no, no straight people in open relationships. Yeah, but I know lots of gay people in open relationships. Yes, exactly. or that no people in open relationships. Yeah, so, so there's a little. I quite like. So I definitely window into I, our would, world. I would disagree on the gay dar. I would put it above red, white, and royal. So right, that all of this exercise is about calibrating the gay dialogue. and it's just about talking about LGBTQ plus appeal, which this yes. film very much has. There's only pretty much the G out of the LGBTQ plus, I think. Yeah, but it's a good gay story. Yeah, and I guess Dan Levy's writing what he knows. Yeah, um, and um, 
NICRN cast member. I mean, very, you know. I know, but still there. Yeah. It's Is that everything? A raise. Yes. Well, and that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gears on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gears on Film Pod and check out our letterboxed accounts, links of which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do feel free to drop us a message. Did you like this film? Why would you have rated it? All that kind of stuff. I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gears on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.